The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's BMW Championship. And joining me to break it all down, it is Sia Najad. Sia, welcome to the rare Tuesday DFS preview record. Yeah, you know, everything kind of went swimmingly yesterday, as it turns out, other than things getting pushed back. I, I enjoyed Monday golf. Uh, you know, the, the winner didn't go my way necessarily, but I know a lot of people celebrated the Tony Finau win, but I'm happy to be doing this on a Tuesday. I'm fired up. We're actually going to open, you know, it's it's a little bit laid back this week. We're going to open it up. Sia and I going through the board. If you have some questions, some comments, some concerns, whatever you have, throw them in the chat. We'll try to make this a little bit interactive if you are following along on YouTube right now because we are absolutely live. While you're there, you might as well hit that thumbs up. You might as well leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Costs you nothing, and uh, that's our currency, Sia. That's, that's what we work with, so it is always much appreciated. Yeah, and it takes literally one second to do. So let's let's do it, folks. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share my screen right now. Everything that you see will be from uh, my site, rickrungood.com. And see, let's talk course out of the gate because that is really the big unknown. Caves Valley Golf Club, it's par 72. It's fairly long, over 7,500 yards in Baltimore, Maryland. And this is the first time we've seen it. Combine that with the fact that most of the players got there uh, a day late. And how do we... We, how do we quickly assess this course and how do the players on the grounds quickly assess this course? So we got a par 72, 7,500 yards. I think it, I think everybody sort of agrees at this point that it is going to be a birdie fest. So I, I think we don't need to worry about precision as much off the tee uh, for one. I think off the tee is going to be important, but I think the distance part of that is going to be more critical than the accuracy. And, you know, the, approach is is obviously going to be important i don't think around the green is going to be that important in spite of the fact that these greens are relatively small Rick, you may disagree with me there um but with that said i'm looking for birdie makers we talked about it at the first the first look show yesterday i'm really looking for bob gain bob percentage and go from there i kind of agree with you so i think in general anytime you get the four guaranteed rounds the birdie makers are important. Guys like Cam Davis, who can make a lot of birdies, make a lot of eagles. I think he leads the tour in eagles. That's why I brought him up. Um, because you get more opportunities, it, it, you know, those bonuses kind of go a long way. And uh, I, I don't think it's going to be that easy, though. I, I just have a, you know, the the way that they pinch these these fairways in uh, to some points at like to like twenty five yards. The pictures that I've seen early, I think the rough is is fairly hairy. I think you could be, you could be into some issues here. I just, 
I don't know. And then we heard the comments from jo- uh, Jordan Spieth saying this is kind of risk reward, which generally can lead to um, higher scores. It can also lead to lower scores. I- I'm not sold on this necessarily being a birdie fest for four rounds. So I'll, I'll tell you this. And, and unfortunately, because we don't have history here, mm-hmm. it's it's really hard to definitively say, well, this is what it's going to be. But with that said, you know, I, I have heard some things from people sort of on the ground, and this is a little bit secondhand, I'll admit, but most of the people that that I've seen that have actually been on this course, played this course, are saying it's it's really gettable, uh, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, you might have a couple of, of drivable par fours, the, the, the par fives. I think we're looking at a lot of potential eagles here, too. So I think um i think it's going i mean i don't know i mean you know we're we're splitting hairs a little bit here because you might be suggesting rick well maybe the winning score is minus 14 or 15 and i might be saying well maybe it's minus 19 or 20 so you know either way i think it's going to be in the double digits and i think you are going to have a lot of scoring opportunities okay so that kind of leads to the question that we're we're kind of having here david in the chat uh is bringing it up are we thinking distance is more important than accuracy i i tend to think it might be see a distance everywhere is is a benefit right it doesn't matter if it's pebble beach where everybody's hitting from the same spot because when you hit from the same spot you're hitting a shorter club in so distance is always important but i i think i tend to lean towards accurate golfers i'm not sure we're going to agree on that yeah, I don't think we're going to agree there. I'm going to go, and again, it's you know we're, we're speculating to some degree, but but I I have looked at some of the the, the flyover stuff or some of the images too. Um, honestly, Rick, maybe not as extensively as you. I, I I don't see it, and from what I'm hearing, I don't see it as super penal if you're hmm. wayward. And so I think you're going to be okay. Obviously, these are smaller greens. You're going to want to have your shot in the fairway to to hit them. Uh, but at the same time, I just think length and and. I, this is an unusual take for me because I'm usually the, the accuracy guy, but I think it's going to be distance for me. And David's follow-up question is, what is the last Fazio design? I believe that was Congaree off the top of my head. I'll have to confirm that, but I'm pretty sure it was Congaree. Let's go look at the cheat sheet here, Sia, and we're down to 69 golfers because Patrick Reed is gone. He has withdrawn double pneumonia uh, for Mr. Reed, and there is no cut this week so the four guaranteed rounds we mentioned uh the fields continue to stay incredibly strong because of the nature of these events and how you have to qualify into them and it leads to a massive ten thousand dollar range john rom eleven thousand seven hundred xander shawley eleven one jordan spieth is ten eight justin thomas is ten six the bottom three are dustin johnson at ten four brooks kepka ten two and colin morikawa friends of the pod at an even ten thousand dollars do you do you just want to start with the john rom discussion here is that is that what we have to figure out yeah we have to figure out to to rom or not to rom i think is the first question we have to ask ourselves so i'll say this in in building some preliminary lineups i do think the pricing is pretty soft and you might expect that we have well you know i don't want to say that the top 69 players in the world but certainly you know you can go down to the 6k range and find some really good golfers I, I think a lot of the value ends at the 7k range but with that said you can stack a lot of 7k guys and be perfectly fine with taking an expensive john rom so i don't think i'm going to be off john rom per se i mean I, I didn't really like what i saw on the back nine yesterday but again i mean for however many rounds it was it, it, you know 60 rounds uh or i should say 60 holes 
Uh, he was dominant. I mean, I genuinely think he was dominant. He just had he just had a tough time. I think the putter got into his head a little bit. I think he got a little frustrated, and then things kind of unraveled from there. And frankly, Tony Finau kind of came out and got it too. I mean, Cam Smith had a chance there too, but you know, Tony Finau eagling down the stretch there. I mean, he 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 kind of got after it. So while John Rom probably lost it, I think Tony Finau and Cam Smith really stepped up. So I'm okay with John Rom. I don't love this range. And so I, I like John Rahm, I like Xander, and I like Justin Thomas. Other than that, I'm just not interested. Oh man, we are off to a, a start, man. I think we're going to disagree quite a bit here today. It might be, it might be good, it might be bad. Listen, um, I, I'm, I think I'm much more bullish on John Rahm and paying the price for it. It is the most expensive he's ever been on DraftKings outside of last year's tour championship. But remember with the tour championship and the starting strokes, you get a really huge range of salaries. I think Justin Thomas one year was like 15,500. So I kind of, I usually exclude that. So this is basically the most expensive that John Rahm has ever been. And I think it's worth it. I tweeted this out earlier, you know, uh, since the PGA championship, guys like Jordan Spieth have been phenomenal guys like Colin Morikawa and Louis Ustazen have been phenomenal, but it, it, it is, it is not even the same planet that John Rahm is in, at least in terms of some of the advanced metrics. And you mentioned some of the guys in the 6K range that we're going to get to. I'm happy to play those guys. So I, I have a lot of lineups, I, I believe, that are going to start with Rahm. Who are the other two guys that you were interested in? Justin Thomas and Xander. I mean, there, okay. there are there are flaws there, by the way. Although, let, let me just start with Xander. His off the tee game really hasn't been up, up to par, so to speak, in the in the last few tournaments. So that is a little bit of a concern. But he's doing everything else really well. I mean, his approach game has been immaculate. And I just think he's sort of like I, I'm not so worried about the off the tee because he's not like getting killed on it. He's just sort of out of sorts a little bit. If he corrects that, I mean, I, I really could see him flashing. As far as Justin Thomas is concerned, Rick. I just think he's about to pop. Yes. I think he's ready, and I think we're about to see it. I think he really kind of gears up towards FedEx Cup season, playoff season, if you will. And I think we're seeing glimpses of it. And so I'm I'm more willing now to take Justin Thomas, whereas if you asked me one, two, three months ago, he wouldn't have been on my radar. Yeah, JT, he foreshadows it. He shows you it's coming, and he's showing us it's coming right now. And the last three starts, he have been much more vintage Justin Thomas, plus two, plus six, plus four on approach. That is what you want to see. He's certainly not going to gain four and a half strokes putting like he did at the Northern Trust, but he's probably not going to lose five like he did in Memphis, right? He's going to come in somewhere in between that, which is generally generally fine. So I agree with you. Um, this is a really good blueprint for Justin Thomas. What do you make of of Colin Morikawa because uh, let me set the table for you here. We know the upside. We know the winning. We know how great he is. We found out that he did tweak something in Tokyo and you can see, I mean, you can literally see it in the metrics, man. Mm -hmm. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. This is a guy who in his young career has never lost strokes on approach in back-to-back -back weeks. He has now been zero or worse for three in a row, obviously because of that injury how do you approach the flat $10,000 Colin Morikawa this week? There's just too much talent here for me to say I'm willing to overlook the, like the, the back injury. I don't know how significant it is, but I know those strokes gained approach stats are pretty significant, at least relative to what he normally is. So I'm completely off Colin Morikawa. I have no issue mm. either pivoting down to the 9K range or pivoting up to like the John Rahm, Sanders or Justin Thomas's. I'm very excited to see what his ownership is going to be because uh, from what I understand, the back injury led to 
him kind of changing his mechanics a little bit, kind of defending it, which we see all the time with injuries. From what I also understand, I think he's healthy now and he's just got to get back on track and he's got uh, a couple of sessions coming up with his coach this week. Maybe the miscut at the Northern Trust was was good. I will convince myself, Sia, uh, by Thursday morning that Colin Morikawa will find a way to get into my lineup. So that leaves us with, let's see, we didn't talk about Brooks. Didn't really talk about DJ. I'm I'm kind of off DJ. Um, I I just don't particularly see it coming. There's there's not a lot to like there. Brooks, I could make a case for, and then Spieth had this really weird 73rd place finish where he shot basically 62, 72, 72, almost 82 on Sunday, and the final two rounds were some of the worst driving we've seen from him uh, this year. I don't know necessarily how to proceed with that. It felt like he was sort of in give up mode yesterday. And I know you shouldn't say that about an athlete, but I mean, back to back triples and, you know, the par fives, he was, he was parring. Like, you know, there were so many opportunities for him yesterday. And again, I say yesterday, Monday, uh, when the Northern Trust was, was finishing, I, I just, it was just puzzling. And to your point, we talked about this on the first look. He did put an excellent round together. And I guess in a no-cut event, it does make sense to go with a guy that that can really like can put a 62 up on maybe one or two days. But the other three rounds were so unimpressive. Again, when you're at this elite range and you're paying these big prices, it to me, it just makes more sense. Like I think Justin Thomas right now can pop in the same way that Jordan Spieth can. And therefore, seeing what I saw last week, it just makes more sense for me to go to a guy like JT rather than Spieth. Yeah, I'm generally willing to write off one weird. Monday finish round with a day off. I don't really care, but to see what he did over the final two rounds with the driver. And that was the one thing that had really hung held him together this year. I am at, at the very least uh, proceeding with caution is, is how I will handle that. Uh, before we get down to the nine K range, let me grab one of these questions from the chat here. This one's from Adam, and it's a one-and-done question. And see, we don't often get your one-and-done input, so I want to give you an opportunity here. So Adam's got a plethora of riches. Two weeks to go. He's got Xander Shoffley, Cam Smith, Harris English, and Hideki Matsuyama. I'd argue he's saved too many guys, but that's a different mm-hmm. conversation to have. How are you proceeding with those four options, Sia, over the next two weeks? How would you deploy those? So are all four of those guys a lock to make it to the to the final 30 is my first question. Uh, Xander, Cam Smith, and Harris English are all inside the top 10, I believe. I almost certainly are. Uh, I will have to look up H- Hideki there. So assuming Hideki is as well, uh, I, I actually like Xander for this tournament, even though you, you might want to, quote, save him for the Tour Championship if you only have these four left. But I, I don't know where, where you are in the points, but I like Xander. He's currently in first by half a million dollars, and oh. Hideki Matsuyama is 16th. Xander is 13th. So every, all, all four of those guys are inside the top 16. Yeah, uh, I would go with Xander. Even though he's probably the best guy of those four, I would just ride with somebody else for the, the final one. Who would you run out in, in at Eastlake then? I mean, I, I would say – I would probably say Cam Smith, believe it or not. Yeah, because he is in third right now. And if you're using the starting strokes, it's 
Yeah, that might be Cam Smith. Uh, okay, good luck, Adam. Uh, $9,000 range. Our newly crowned champion, Tony Finau, is at 9800 Louis Oosthuizen seemingly back. I imagine, Sia, we're going to have to keep an eye on this. He has withdrawn before the start of the Wyndham Championship and the Northern Trust. That's two weeks in a row, citing the neck injury. Um, let's just let's just stop there and put pause right now because Louis Oosthuizen has been phenomenal. What level of confidence would you have putting him in your lineups and would you make sure that you have an alarm set for Thursday morning uh, if you do have him in your lineups? It's tough because you almost feel like he feels like he has to play this tournament. Whereas maybe last week he felt like he could rest for one more week and it just doesn't make me feel very comfortable. I, I, I don't think I'm going to be playing him. That's the short answer. I don't think I will either, uh, just because I just I, I kind of like some other guys in this range. Exactly. So continuing on, Cam Smith, Rory McIlroy, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Cantlay, Victor Hovland, and Daniel Berger roll out and finish up the top of the $9,000 range. So who would you start with here of that group of golfers? Yeah, I like the low 9K range quite a bit. So I think I would start with, believe it or not, Patrick Cantlay. I like him quite Ooh. a bit. Uh, I like Victor Hovland a lot. I mean, I think I think Victor Hovland has a chance to win this tournament. Speaking of birdie makers, guys that are great <laughs> off the tee, good ball strikers. Do you think he'll have the putter back in the bag this week? Is that 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 would generally be a, a, a recipe for success? Having a putter. You know, here I am yesterday with about you know a handful of five out of six teams. Uh, you know, unfortunately, my six of sixes were only in cash, so that didn't work out for me. But I have some four out of sixes that might cash, and I've got Hovland and Spieth in a lot of those. I mean, imagine. Mm -hmm. Uh, what, what I was, uh, what I was feeling, I was feeling not, like not a, a great better. Monday for you, <laughs> not a great Monday, but, uh, yeah, I, that was so uncharacteristic of Hovland, but I, I like him a lot this week. I'm hoping that round gets a few people off of him because I, I genuinely think he has a shot to win this thing. And, uh, I'm happy to dip all the way down to the 9k range to play some of these guys, including Cantlay and Hovland. All right, so here's Patrick Cantlay, who, um, I mean, he's been really good. He is a constant gainer off the tee when he gets it going. He's a really good approach player. The putter is fine. He can lose two. He can gain two. He can lose three. He can gain three. That's generally a recipe for how you win golf tournaments. So Patrick Cantlay is certainly interesting. I played both, and I bet both, Roy McIlroy and Bryson DeChambeau this week, and I might be, or last week, excuse me, and I am such a sucker. I might go right back to those two guys. Um, let me start with... I guess I'll start with Rory. The The idea around this, and I want to go round by round here, is Rory McIlroy, in round two of the Northern Trust, lost 4.8 strokes on approach, Sia. Uh, that is uh, basically the worst single approach round of his career. In fact, it, it is, dating back in the last 10 years, 591 measured rounds. It's, he's never been worse than that. So I imagine... Um, one, he's not going to be that bad in any single round this week. And immediately following that round, he kind of fixed it. He was average in round three and he gained half a stroke in round four. That's a reason to be optimistic. And then I got to tell you, I actually doubled down on Bryson last week. I bet him again on Friday night because I loved where the metrics were. You know, his first two rounds, he was gaining a ton of strokes on approach. He was gaining off the tee. It, it looked really, really good. And he had that one really bad round. So I'm... I'm a sucker. I'm just a you know, I'm a nice guy. I like to forgive and forget Sia and 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 you know quickly forgive. And um, I will probably go down with those two this week. Yeah, I, I think I like personally, I think I like Bryson a little bit better than Roy. I think the course probably fits Bryson a little bit better, especially if if distance is going to trump accuracy. I don't know what to think of Rory. We talked about him a little bit yesterday. I just, you know, I, 
what you know one day you know the approach is failing the next day the, the putter's failing like i just he, he had his ball striking has been great but i just i'm a little discouraged with what i saw last week Yes, uh, I t- listen. There's a reason these guys are 9,400, 9,300 when they would normally be 10,400 or 11,400 dollars. Well, that's actually a really good point because Rory being 9,400, Rory in particular, who is usually in that 10, I mean, you are definitely getting savings with a guy that if the ball striking is what it was two weeks ago and the weeks prior to that, then you have like an extreme value. So, honestly, if you couch it in terms of value, I, I certainly can't argue with Rory. <laughs> 9,400 is the cheapest. Well, now I had to look it up. The cheapest Roy McElroy has been in the last four years. That's how long I've been collecting this data. So we have not seen a price this low on Rory. On Bryson, what is he this week? 93, is that what we said? Yeah. 9,300. Uh, that is the cheapest he's been since the tw- oh the 2020 players that event did not finish funny funny story i woke up that week very much convinced that bryson was going to win the players championship and i've not felt that way really about anyone since and of course that that event uh, was canceled and golf was canceled for 91 days after that but he was 7900 at the 2020 genesis invitational that's basically the last time we've seen bryson this cheap interesting wow interesting Anybody else in this $9,000 range? Burgers down at the bottom. We mentioned Hovland. Um, I mean, Tony Finau is this. L- listen, Tony Finau, I know it's different courses. Here are his last four BMW championships. Seventh, eighth, fourth, and fifth. That is like the most classic Tony Finau run of events. Obviously not here in Baltimore, but what do we do with now a guy who just snapped a nearly 2,000-day winning drought? So I don't want to hold against him the idea that, you know, you can't be a back-to-back winner or do well in back-to-back tournaments. I think he's a good course fit. I don't I actually don't have a problem with him. And I also don't have a problem starting your DraftKings lineups in this range, maybe starting with Tony Finau and Victor Hovland, for example, or or even going down to Cantley and Hovland and starting your lineup there if, if you want to be like super balanced. But I don't mind Finau. I don't think I'm going to play a lot of them, but I'll, I'll probably have a couple shares. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to drop down to the 8K range. We're going to find value in this 69-man field. We will take your questions in the chat. Go ahead and throw them in there. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been Uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code first at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating 
workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, First time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. The $8,000 range. See, it opens up with Scotty Scheffler, Hideki Matsuyama, and Abraham Anser. It goes down to Paul Casey, Joaquin Neiman, and Sung J.M. It's a very small range of golfers. Is there anything that you like in particular here? Scheffler I love at 8,900. I mean, last week he lost a handful, maybe over three strokes with the putter, and he was only average on approach. He was excellent off the tee. I expect the putter and the approach game to rebound. I think you're getting a bargain here at, at 8,900. I mean, we saw just a few tournaments ago, he I mean, he gained like over eight strokes with the putter. So he's he clearly has the ability to pop with the putter. The ball striking is probably going to be there. I don't really see a good argument against Scotty Scheffler. So I'll, I'll start there. The thing that I like with Scheffler as I kind of just roll through uh, the site here is he plays really well in strong fields. So the official World Golf Rankings, they do a strength of field number each and every week. It basically says how strong is this field are are a lot of good players in it and when you go over 700 that starts to get you into your wgc's your major championships all that good stuff your playoff events and if you just look at um results for players in fields that are stronger than 700 here's the top six guys uh in the last decade justin thomas in this field justin thomas Brooks Kepka, dustin johnson john rom hideki matsuyama that's a great start number six scotty scheffler now he's played less rounds, basically a third of the rounds uh, that those other guys have. But it, it is it is really noteworthy uh, how good he has been in really deep fields, big time events. Yeah, and and again at eighty nine hundred in a four day event where you're not getting cut. Uh, not that he has you know super big cut equity or anything, but or or miscut equity, but. I think Scheffler is is really a bargain. I think if you had put him at 9,300 or 9,400 because he had a really good last week, he finished top 10 or something, I don't think anybody would have blinked at that. I think people still would have taken a lot of him. So I'm a big fan of him there. As I scroll down, Sam Burns. I mean, at some point we got to recognize, especially in a no-cut event, this guy is is a score. I mean, when you're looking at birdie or better gained, uh, birdie or better percentage, whatever you're looking at, it, it, you know, in my model last 36, he's number seven here. So we know he can score. He can sometimes be a little wayward off the tee. So <laughs> that I suppose can be a problem. But again, you're getting four rounds out of him. So it's almost like this. I mean, he to me, he seems like Jordan Spieth light a little bit. I think he can really put up some points 
and I'm not worried about him missing a cut. And I know he can pop with the putter. So here we go. That was a very generous assessment of uh, Sam Burns' accuracy with the driver, but you're at, he possesses the combination of skills that can pile up birdies. He hits it far. He is top 20 on tour in strokes gained approach, and he's top 20 on tour in strokes gained putting. That is the combination. We talk about it a lot, and he's very good from inside 10 feet and 20 to 25 feet. That 20 to 25 feet range, I hate the buckets. I hate talking about them, but that's where a lot of these birdies come from. You know, not Mm -hmm. everybody's stuffing it to six feet on every single shot. If you roll those in at at a clip like he does, nearly 20%, you're going to make a lot of birdies. And Sia, while we're talking about Sam Burns, Tim in the chat, I'll just call this a a four-round matchup, head-to-head matchup, Sam Burns over Paul Casey. Is that a side that you would take Burns' side? Oh, wow. That's a good one. I would probably take Burns because I think he's always going to, well, I shouldn't say always. I think lately he has the upside. And again, I'm getting four rounds out of him. So it depends on how Tim wants to deploy this. I I think Burns might have more win equity, but I re- the volatility is sometimes a little bit concerning if you were playing a head-to-head matchup here with, with Paul Casey. So mm-hmm. like, it depends on, I think, how, how Tim is going to deploy this. Uh, Burns might have more upside, but the floor might be a little bit lower as well. Um, the rest of this $8,000 range, Abraham Answer has made his uh, first start since his victory. I always like to get that one out of the way. Uh, he does not have uh, the distance of, of some of these other guys, but I'm very interested to see where that goes. And Sung J.M., uh, I'm, I'm getting the warm and fuzzies again. I think I Me think too. we're start okay. I think yeah. we're starting to see a little bit of the right progression and trajectory for Sungjae who has now gained off the tee in four straight including really good driving at the Wyndham and the Northern Trust. He's gained on approach in 3 in a row and 7 of his last 8. The putter which has shockingly been the issue getting better right he lost four strokes in memphis he lost a little over two at the Wyndham. he only lost less than one at the northern trust if he turns that into a zero or a plus one that's kind of the formula and he's normally a much better putter than this i'm not sure what's going on with the flat stick yeah and and i again he's at least getting better with it over the last three tournaments so yeah you're right if he's a zero putter uh, i am i'm pretty excited about him especially at that price and, and honestly i don't think at this point sung jay is a super like sexy pick so i wonder i think ownership percentage i don't think anybody's going to be like super high owned because there's so much talent at the top and in the middle but i don't think sung jay's ownership is going to be very high and and in that case i think he's a, an obvious play well let's that's a question in the chat. Who do you expect to be the lowest owned in the eight to nine thousand dollar range? So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I love that everyone in the chat just watched me count to ten. Uh, ten golfers in the eight thousand dollar range. Sia, um, who do you believe? And I'm going to try to think of this as well. Who do you think will be the lowest owned golfer in this range? So, okay. That's a good one. I, I, there's one name that comes to mind. I haven't looked at any preliminary ownership. It's probably Joaquin Neiman. I'm he thinking. was on my short list. He was one of the two I narrowed it down to in my head. Why Neiman? Well, because a, as good as, you know, I, I think in theory, Joaquin Neiman makes sense, especially in a four-day event, but he's not really putting up the scores. He's not putting up the numbers. And if you look at his his strokes gain metrics, they're not really that impressive. It, it, last time I, I think I checked earlier, the approach numbers were pretty pedestrian. And so he's not really doing anything well enough uh, for you to be like, you know, hang your hat on uh, the upside. I think Joaquin Neiman is more like a theory guy and he's just not putting it in practice. 
Yeah, I narrowed it down to Neiman and Webb. Uh, Neiman is generally, I think the the community kind of moves in the same direction on Neiman. I think Simpson, uh, a lot of people were very optimistic about. So a lot of people played him at the Wyndham. They saw that how close he came and then played him again at the Northern Trust. In fact, he was about 12.5% owned at the Northern Trust and he didn't he didn't really play all that well. And I, I just think that when you start looking at the guys around him, Connors who made a run, uh, late Harris English was kind of a safer play. And then you start to get into the bottom. Like you could make a case for Paul Casey because he's 8,200 and because Sung JM's cheaper and he saves you a hundred dollars off of Joaquin Neiman. So I, I think, I think the two lowest are Neiman and Webb. Yeah, that's and fair. I, I think English safe. could potentially be in that conversation, but, but I agree with that. Anybody else in this $8,000 range before I move on? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think we pretty much covered every. I'll ask you any thoughts on Hideki at only eight eight hundred. You know, um, I have a lot of thoughts on Hideki. I'm not sure what they actually are, though. I, I love the idea that he is he is generally overlooked, which is shocking mm-hmm. because he is literally one of the best uh, per approach players on the planet outside of last week at the Northern Trust. Um, you know, I will probably not get there on Hideki. Uh, Unfortunately, he lacks he lacks a lot of upside because he can't putt see you. Like it, yeah. it's so hard to tap into the upside when you need you when you need him to like not lose three strokes putting and it just doesn't happen enough. So I just I just think he's a casualty of the guys around him. I just like the guys around him a little bit better. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's worthy of, of a couple shares in, in GPP, though, because at 8,800, it just seems like it almost seems like that Tony Finau thing where we're like, well, yeah, we don't think Tony Finau can win last week, but he's 8,200. Like, put him in your lineups. You know, he's he's probably good for a top five, you know, as a as a best case scenario. And then there he is actually winning. So I think Hideki has a little bit of that in him this week. Well. Hopefully he does. We'll see. Uh, $7,000 range. This is a pretty sizable range considering the field's only 69 golfers. It starts with Shane Lowry, Jason Kokrak, Russell Henley. Goes all the way down to Siwoo Kim, Charlie Hoffman, Mav McNeely. There's a lot here. There's a grab bag. Young guys, old guys, uh, guys who are playing well, guys who are not. What do you see when you start to assess this $7,000 range? So the first name that jumped out at me, there were two names that jumped out at me at the top. One was Shane Lowry, who I was on pretty heavy last week. And that pretty much worked out, you know, not the best Sunday, but he was, he was solid. Like he's been lately. The next name though, was the name I, that my, my eyes got really big. And then I looked at the metrics and I'm like, wait, what's going on with Jason Kokrak? Jason Kokrak. I knew you were going to say, this is shocking. This is a really stunning turn of events for Kokrak who, okay, what do we know about Kokrak here in 2021? That he's been uh, a very good driver of the golf ball and he found this magic putter that led him to what? Two victories this season. Mm -hmm. Um, Look at these metrics. He has the last three events lost off the tee in all three. That's shocking considering he is 22nd on tour this year in strokes gained off the tee. He's lost uh, all three on approach. Again, shocking considering he's 64th on approach. He's lost in two straight with the putter. He's eighth on tour in putting this year. Uh, This is like a bizarro world Jason Kokrak situation. So when you see something like this, do you think that he can get back to his DNA or this is like red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag? I mean, it's big time red flag, but but at the same time, okay, first of all, I feel like this is one of those situations where if it happens again next week, that we're going to find out two months from now, like we did with Harris English, like he was nursing some minor injury and he just mm. wasn't right. And then all of a sudden he's good again six months from now. So, I, I, and by the way, I, I wish I wish the PGA could 
tour could just have people disclose injuries and stuff like that so that we don't get into some of these messes right before uh lock but with that said uh, I, I don't mind. See, I, I think in a, in a no cut event, I think Coke rack is at least interesting because he's not going to have to worry about, hey, you know, if I if I play bad Thursday and Friday, I'm going to get cut. That might relieve some True. pressure for a guy who's missed two cuts in a row. So I'm willing to play him. But boy, does that make me nervous? I, I, I'll say this. I am going to play Jason Coke rack. And but before. I was going to play him a lot before I looked at these metrics and I can't ignore <laughs> what I'm seeing here. So I'm definitely going to be underweight on Jason Coke rack. I haven't decided yet. I don't know. I'm I'm very concerned. You're you're right. Not that we want. Not that we're in the uh, business of pre- predicting injuries, but kind of with the Colin Morikawa stuff, where if you, if we found out he had tweaked something, you'd be like, that makes perfect sense because there's really mm-hmm. no other explanation for this. Um, the top of that seven thousand dollar range. Uh, Russell Henley caught my eye again. Another great approach week, and he has been contention adjacent uh i guess over the past couple of months right describe it what you will it's a bunch of top 20 finishes he's been in the lead a couple of times he has not won but he's been around it lost 6.1 strokes putting last week which is the second worst putting week he has ever had i'm going to assume that is not going to happen again and he's not going to have the worst putting week he's ever had so um i would get back in on russell henley the middle of the $7,000 range, you've got Norin, Keegan, Kevin Na, Sergio Garcia. There's a question in the chat about Eric Van Royen. Can he keep the magic beans going? I mean, EVR, a win three starts ago, 37th at the Wyndham, 7th at the Northern Trust Trust uh, here, Sia. A confident golfer is a pretty dangerous golfer. Yeah, that's really impressive. I don't think I'm going to get there with him because I like a lot of guys that are just above him and just below him. I don't have a problem with it, though. I mean, I I wish I was on him last week. I certainly wasn't, and he would have completely paid off. But wow, gaining 6.76 with the putter, that's not super promising. It's also, yeah, that's the the, we don't have the advanced metrics because they don't exist exist from the Barracuda, so we don't know how he won that, but... This is not all that of of an encouraging uh, stat line. That's 6.7 that he gained on the putting surface last week is the most he's ever gained in a single event, which um, is not sustainable. I mean, losing over losing over a stroke on approach. That's not it ain't great. So. It is. It is certainly not. Okay. Is there someone here in the mid or low seven thousand dollar range that would catch your attention? Yeah. So we talked. Did we talk about it? Maybe you talked about him in the same breath that we were talking about Charlie Hoffman. I think we were talking about Keegan Bradley a little bit last week. I, I like him. I mean, you know, he gained with the putter last week in a pretty significant way. So I don't think that's necessarily going to happen again. But then again, his ball striking could improve too. I mean, Keegan took some time off before the Northern Trust. And I I saw some clips of some interviews. He really, in the interview, he really expressed like he needed that time off. He was really, really tired. And he, you know, was coming back refreshed into the FedEx Cup playoffs. So I think we're catching Keegan in in sort of an upward trajectory. And and I don't mind, even if he's a zero putter, I think the ball striking could improve. And I uh, I think he's got a chance here to really pay off his price. Catching Keegan, that could be like the Saturday night, headline or Sunday morning headline as he's like three clear of the field, like catching key. Like who's going to, I don't know. I'll work on that. Um, 
Thank you. The Charlie Hoffman men or not men, the $7,000 flat is kind of interesting. His stat line mm-hmm. last week uh, was much more reminiscent of what we saw from him in April and May, which I think is kind of intriguing. Let mm-hmm. me go through a couple of uh, questions here before I move on to the $6,000 range. Do you have any strong thoughts? This is from Ethan on Johnny Vegas or Kevin Streelman at the bottom of the $7,000 range Vegas missed the cut at the Northern trust 15th place finished the window before that he had played well. And then Kevin Streelman um, made the cut last week, finished 64th. Yeah. I, I personally love uh, Johnny Vegas at that price. And and I, I don't really mind the miscut. I mean, he, he lost off the tee, which is super strange. He's normally just a complete beast off the tee and he's usually really good on approach. He gained on approach, but not in a significant way. He really lost. He, he didn't make the cut because of his putter more than anything, but I expect the ball striking numbers to really rebound. I expect the putter to be zero, if not better than zero. So I think coming off a miscut, you're getting a ton of value with Johnny Vegas. And then John asks an interesting question that I always kind of wrestle with myself. He says, do you consider previous performances at this event, given the levity, the strength of this field, or even though the course changes every time, or at least, uh, you know, we don't, we're, we're going to Caves Valley here. So this is uh, the good about it, Sia, is. Same time of year, same field strength field. The cons would be that uh, we've never seen anybody play this course before. Yeah, so I don't really look at, at previous courses. Uh, I mean, excuse me, previous tournaments if they're on different courses. So I'm not really going to pay attention to that. I think there might be something to be said for people who are sort of like gearing up for the FedEx Cup playoffs and starting to play better. I think Justin Thomas kind of fits into that narrative. Uh, I think guys like Webb Simpson might fit into that narrative. Some of some of these stars, I mean, it, that's a little bit of, of narrative shopping there, but I, I'm not really looking at course history much. All right, let's go down to the real value in this field, the $6,000 range. And these are some familiar names. It starts with Cam Davis, Mackenzie Hughes, goes all the way down to the min-priced quartet. Quartet, that's four, right? Tom Hoagie, Robert Streb, K.H. Lee, Hudson, Swafford, Sia, what do you take from this range? I wish I could pick out a, a I, I love picking out a min price guy. I, I, I have one. Is it Robert Streb? No, it's not Robert. Uh, okay. Strepp. Well, I, yeah, I, I, it's got to be Hudson Swafford then, right? It's Hudson Swafford. Yeah, yeah. Listen, here's, here's the case for Hudson Swafford. He's the min price. Let, let me, let me start there. Uh, the other thing is he is kind of a freak. Uh, so gained seven and a half strokes off the tee last week, five and a half on approach. So if you combine that into ball striking number one player in the field at the Northern trust, it led to a T 11. He is horrendous around the greens. Horrendous. Uh, his putter is, uh, almost as bad, not as bad, but listen, you get four rounds from a guy who can ball strike the heck out of it, who is fairly long off the tee on this fairly long course he offers you the flexibility to roster literally anybody you want um i will be the hudson swafford sucker this week yeah and it's important to point that out that he's min price and he can make your lineup work because it is a four day event so if he has really good ball striking uh for two or three of the four days yeah you know you're probably in really good shape just the finish yeah finish t43 and make one eagle and i'm probably happy Right. Which is, yeah, which is why some of these heavy hitters like make a lot of sense, especially in the 6K range. Like Keith Mitchell is sort of my upgrade to Hudson Swafford. I think he's a guy that can absolutely put up points. He played really well last week, not only really well, but really well down the stretch when he really needed to play well to actually qualify for this tournament. So go, go ahead, Rick. 
I'm sorry, I was just going to say, Keith Mitchell is $6,500. He finished eighth last week. He finished fifth at the 3M Open a couple of starts ago. Yeah, so I mean, there's definitely, now that I think about it, there's probably a little bit more value in the 6K range because these heavy hitters uh, who are going to have plenty of scoring chances will be playing all four days. So I don't mind the Hudson Swafford play. Um, I don't, I, I like Keith Mitchell. A couple of other guys, Rick, I know you'll like Cam Davis at 6,900, right? Yeah, I mean, he you you want uh, you want birdie makers. You want guys that can make eagles. I'm pretty sure Cam Davis leads the tour in eagles. I'd have to confirm that. But it is, yeah, you get the upside. You get the guaranteed four rounds. I do worry a little bit, and this goes back to our original conversation. Like, is the rough going to be penal? If we can answer that question, it answers the Cam Davis question a little bit for us. The more penal the rough becomes, the less you can like Cam Davis because mm-hmm. he sprays it all over the yard. The less penal the rough is, the more you can like Cam Davis. So as we get reports and maybe some visuals of of Caves Valley over the course of the next, I was going to say a couple of days, but really like day and a half that, you know, that's that's going to be noteworthy. So, yes, you're never going to hear me complain often about uh, about Cam Davis at a good price like that. Yeah, I think the only other guy I'm interested in here. I mean, Stuart Sink is interesting for the record, but uh, I, ooh, I don't think he is. Go, let's look at the metrics. All right. So here's my here's my hot take on on uh, Stuart Sink is that the 48 year old has has run out of gas in the super season. I, I just I just think since his win, so since the win at the RBC Heritage, um, he has one finish inside the top 30. It was last week at the Northern Trust where he gained 7.6 putting, his best performance in a decade and we're kind of I, I don't know he still he still has the 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 approach play which is generally how he how he got his two victories uh this season but I'm 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 starting to lose optimism here yeah that's fair uh, that's fair you you've talked me off off of uh off <laughs> okay. Stuart Sink that was quick. what else what else, what else you got what else can I throw well, some uh cold water on? here's a guy I, I want you to I, I kind of want you to let me know if you like Aaron Wise I've heard that's like the third time somebody's asked me about that. I'm not sure. Let's look. Let's look together. Okay. So Aaron Weiss, uh, a very, very bad putter. In fact, he ranks 188th on tour. Um, although, although to his credit, it's not like Sergio bad where he loses every week. Mm-hmm. There are some weeks he can gain strokes putting. Uh, 2.8 at the Wyndham, two and a half at the Memorial, three and a half at the PGA Championship, two and a half at the Honda. Um, he will also lose you five Sia, which is certainly, certainly something that could come up. Um, great ball striker. I don't know. I, I don't I'm, like it. I'm not like excited. It. Yeah. You've talked me off of that one too. See, I'm really glad we do this show. So that's yeah, two who, guys. Who else, who else you got? Let's go. Like, <laughs> well, well the, the truth is, you know, and I said this at, at the front end of the show, I, I don't really like the six K range. And we did discuss a few guys that I do like, like, I mean, I, I, Hudson Swafford makes sense. Keith Mitchell, Cam Davis. Outside of that, a lot of these 6K guys, I just don't know that they're going to do the job for you, even though they're going to be playing four rounds. I want to, there is one more guy I want to look at, Harry Higgs, because he has back to back, I think it's top 15 finishes. And I want to see, oh boy. When when two when your two top fifteens uh, you lose strokes on approach in both of them that's like not the greatest thing ever. So he gained six strokes around the green at the Northern Trust. Did he chip in like three times? That's like what that would be. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. That's not anything to lean on, especially not not at this course. At least I don't think it is. No, dang, that was gonna be that was gonna be someone I was interested in. Munoz, I think is fine. Um, I got one more for you though to to look up. 
Uh, yeah. And by the way, if you're not watching this on YouTube, we got Rick Run Good. Uh, where he's he's pulling up the Holy Grail. I think that's, that's right. what you're pulling up, right, Rick? Yeah, I'm flipping um, back and forth between the Holy Grail and the golfer profiles. Whatever it takes, see ya. Whatever it takes. So <laughs> I want to look into Taylor Gooch, who seems to be everybody's favorite but mine. And oh. not for this week, but for like the last, I don't know, 30 years, it feels like. Everybody's talking <laughs> about Taylor Gooch. And is he actually performing? I don't know. But wow, that looks, those approach numbers look pretty great. Yeah, that's kind of his his weapon is is the iron play. So that's five events in a row. He's gained at least I'll round up two and a half strokes on approach. Last week, he was great at the Northern Trust. I always think it's interesting when you get a guy who is such a strong approach player, but doesn't hit the driver well, see it, which which Mm -hmm. is kind of Gucci's issue, because those things. They're obviously not identical, but they tend to go together. He's kind of uh, the anti driver with with the ball striking ability so it's kind of it's kind of interesting also to note uh we're on bent grass this week that that is one of his better putting surfaces so he's not uh, a great putter he's about average maybe slightly better than average i just wish he could rein in this driver if he can rein in the driver he could probably give himself a lot more looks at birdies yeah i mean at 6200 it's certainly interesting Mm. okay um there was one more question i wanted to get to and I'm looking for it. Oh, this is right up your alley. What is your favorite narrative or storyline this week? Do we do we have a narrative slash storyline this week? Ooh, well, we can certainly come up with one. I mean, man, I, at some point, I, I wish Bryson and, and Brooks would get grouped together. By the mm. way, that's that would be a fun a fun story. I I don't think there's any real storylines. I mean, usually what what I would think of in that regard is somebody like really needing a win, somebody to to, to break out who's who's just like. And we already had that Tony Finau last week. So that's there anybody from? Is there anybody from Baltimore? Jordan Spieth and his Under Armour connection. <laughs> I guess that doesn't really count. Um, man, that's tough. Producer Jacob's always good at these. I'm so I'm, I'm staring at the chat to see if he drops any in there, but I'm not sure if there's any storylines or narratives this week. Storylines for this week? I mean, you got you got sort of the rematch between John Rahm and Dustin Johnson. They were number one and number two last year at this tournament, and now this year it's flopped. So Rahm is oh. one, DJ's two. I mean, I'll take it. I yeah, but that's not the interesting because DJ is in a slump, and you know, Rahm's on top of the world right now. Who needs a win the most? Like, not like FedEx Cup, but like whose career needs a win the most this week? Hmm. Scheffler? Yeah, now, yeah. That, now that Tony's won, I feel like Scheffler's that next guy up as far as who who you need to see to win. Tony and Answer have just accomplished it in like the last three weeks. So how about Scheffler? Wouldn't that be the next guy? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think if you're talking guys who need to actually like get a win, there's some guys towards the top though. Like really? Daniel Berger won, Berger won last year, right? So, but he won he, this year, he won, didn't he win Pebble this year? Was that this February? Yeah. He won. That was in, or end of, end of January. Yep. That feels like a really long time I know. It ago. feels like, I, a, I, I guess like 10 was. years ago. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, uh, I'd like what to see Wusaisen win something instead yeah. of coming runner up. But that's a good one. You know, Rory McIlroy. I guess he's gonna get. Um, there's like a chance Rory misses the Tour Championship. He's 28th in the FedEx Cup standings right now. Hmm. If he, well, there's no cut to miss. But if he finished, I don't know the math. 
uh, and it depends on what other people do. But could you imagine if he finished like 51st this week? He, he's probably going to miss out, right? Right, right. Would that be the first time ever, Jacob? Has he has he been in the tour championship every year? Uh, I think since joining, I can't I can't imagine. I mean, he's been it's in the top be. fifteen of the. He just dropped out yeah. of the top fifteen of the world for the first time since two thousand nine. So I have to imagine that 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 tails in with him being at the tour championship. I would have to imagine that as well. And this is really, I mean, there there also is uh, the idea that these four rounds are like these four rounds are going to decide what the what the start is for next for next week at the tour championship mm-hmm. which is even more as we've seen this is what Jacob the third year they're going to do the starting strokes right yeah this is third year of that like they're very very important like starting eight under or starting two under is the difference between like your chances of winning this winning the tour championship or not so there's going to be a lot of shuffling and and a lot of things that matter all week long i lo- i kind of like this so I don't have a narrative going in, but I, but I, I do want to reset the same thing I said at the front end of, of, of answering the question, which is the, this course seems to fit Brooks and Bryson pretty well. Again, we don't know. We don't have all the information, but I would love to see those two guys battling down the stretch and contending on Sunday. I think that would be really cool. And the ratings would be amazing. The smaller field we get, like the closer we get to it, like, come on, like there's like, once we get down to 30, like there's gotta be, just get these guys together. Um, Jacob, is that a Wawa cup? It is a Wawa cup. Yes. I love it. I could, I love that. I guess another sort of going back down, down narrative street, how much do you sort of weigh, you know, guys who are on this bubble of the of the mm-hmm. top 30 line i mean is that is that an indication to maybe play this 31 through 37 you know 40 range more yeah what do you think see would you break ties with it i mean we they're they're they these guys all have incentive but they they know it right we kind of heard keith mitchell allude to this at the end of um or in his interview on monday where he knew exactly where he was he knew what he needed to do and he knew he wasn't going to leave putt short and things like that and you know for for mitchell to make three birdies in a row is very valuable in fantasy and it's also the birdie streak right so like are you at what point do you start to consider 31 through 41? I consider it not, but not, or I, I could go up to like maybe 27, 26, right? Because those guys are, are, are on the line and need to play well, like Charlie Hoffman, Max Homa, for example. But I think, uh, I think I consider it, but not to add a player to my pool. I think like when I see Keegan here at 32, I think, you know, I already liked Keegan. I already liked mm-hmm. Charlie Hoffman. I just might add a couple more shares. And, I, and again, that assumes that the stress level related to making the top 30 actually benefits these guys. But when it comes to Charlie Hoffman and Keegan specifically, they didn't play a lot of golf over the last couple of months. And so to me, that might mean that they were sort of like kind of resting and prepping for this FedEx Cup playoffs. And that just like that just it's a home run from a narrative standpoint, because I think they're they're geared up for this. Okay. I love it. Uh, Jacob, we are going to be back in like an hour and a half, right? We're doing a second first cut pod today. Yes. So on YouTube, <laughs> if you're watching live right now, come back at uh, 530 Eastern. We'll have our mega preview coming up. And if you're listening on the audio form, they'll be dropping right next to each other. So Wednesday, you can uh, you can go back to back. I think this is like our equivalent of like playing 36 holes in one day. Yes of uh you know split tees threesomes we're just we're just gonna run it straight back 
Run it right back. That's producer Jacob, not only doing all the hard work behind the scenes, but in front of the scenes. Oh, there he goes. Uh, thank you very much, producer Jacob. Sia Najad, who you can find on Twitter at Sia Najad, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.